Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today's show is the best. We have the king of the hammers, UTV champion. Yes, the champion himself, Hunter Miller. Um, before we do that, if you're listening on an iOS device or you're listening somewhere where you can leave a review, uh, please leave us a review. Five stars if you want. Uh, also, it, well, let me say this. That really helps us get more exposure uh, and that'd be, be doing myself, Jesse, a big favor. So thank you guys for who have done that and thank you for those who will. Um, also, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Racing on the Rocks. Uh, leave us a review on Facebook if you enjoy the show. If you don't, don't leave us a review. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Super Grip ATV. The entire Racing on the Rocks podcast is actually brought to you by Super Grip ATV. Uh, the Super Grip Corporation was established in 1984. So you're getting a massive, let's see here, let's do some math, Jesse. You're a math professional. Almost 40 years of tire manufacturing of the highest quality tires. Uh, they build with the best raw materials available with high grade natural rubber and the best quality carbon black and ultra high tensile nylon cord. Um, I do want to specify something before we go any further. A lot of you guys are ordering the K9 or have questions about the K9. The K9 comes in a nylon, uh, which is kind of like a standard tire like every other tire out there. However, it also comes in a Kevlar uh, build as well. Um, one really cool thing is that I was talking to a staff member at Supergrip this week. Their nylon tire is extremely strong, uh, extremely strong sidewall, extremely strong uh, over the lug pattern, um, very, very strong, abnormally strong for a nylon tire. A lot of those guys have never had issues out of them. Um, and to be honest with you, I think they said they've had no issues out of them uh, in their development, but they also offer a Kevlar tire. That Kevlar tire is not only stronger because obviously Kevlar is super strong, um, but it's also actually going to end up making the tire overall lighter. So I just ordered my set of 30s, and that 30-inch Kevlar tire is not only stronger but lighter than its nylon brother. Um, can't speak highly enough about that tire, to be honest with you. Um, I'm going to get the release out for that soon. Uh, but I want to point out that that's not just Kevlar in a specific area. That is bead-to-bead -bead Kevlar. That is the strongest Kevlar out of any Kevlar tires on the market uh, Super Grip ATV is developing not only the highest quality version, but also the toughest version. Um, one thing I do want to point out is that that K9 will always come, uh, regardless of the nylon or the Kevlar design, with an 8-ply rated radial construction with the excellent rubber compounds for your on-road and off-road adventures. Uh, if you're looking for the ultimate control on or off-road, you need to look no further. The K9 tire is your tire. The aggressive side lugs will help you in everything loose, slippery, and sloppy, while the middle lugs being extremely aggressive and still having that one inch lug depth are gonna be the things that help you get up the dry rocks. And when all hope is lost and you got no traction, that's where you're gonna get it from, is from this K9 tire. Now, they have big reveals coming out uh, fairly soon. In the next couple weeks, they've got a reveal coming out. And in the future, I can tell you guys that they're working on some really great products. Um, the K9 tire does come in a 27, a 30, a 32, and the elusive 35. So be on the lookout for those tires. Uh, one more sponsor I'd like to give a shout out to is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road is your one-stop shop for all things uh, lighting, 
that's pretty much it. It's the end of the story. It's it's it. If you need lights, Infinite Off Road is, has your light bars, light pods, uh, light whips, wheel rings, rock lights, everything that you could ever need, all backed with a 25 year you break it, they fix it warranty even covering accidental damage. Um, I saw a post on Facebook today from the owner of Infinite Off-Road. There was a Jeep and it was totaled and it had an Infinite Off-Road light bar on there. And uh, Mike and his team are actually already sending that light bar or a new light bar out to that customer because it is covered under the warranty. This is a warranty that actually works. And I tell you this, um, I have their lights on my uh, endurance car I'm building right now. It's where quality and price meet. Um, didn't pay an outrageous amount like you would with some other brands, uh, like ridiculous amounts, but it's also not gonna be the regular cheap Chinese crap that you're gonna get on Amazon. Uh, these are high quality lights, high output lights, just the absolute best thing that you can get for your money. So if you're looking to use your money wisely and get the best value for your dollar, infinite off-road, They've even gone a step further, and they offer all listeners of Racing on the Rocks 10% off with code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S. At checkout, we'll give you 10% off the entire InfiniteOffRoad.com website. My uh, third sponsor here is We Buy Rides. We Buy Rides is a third-party vendor um, that sells cars. Now, what's really cool, rather than just selling cars, they will actually take your vehicle on trade-in, and they will give you a cash offer or that offer will be good on any vehicle on their, uh, excuse me, on trade-in or a cash offer straight up. Now, one thing I can confidently say is that We Buy Rides will give you the highest cash value for your car possible. You're not going to find anywhere else that's going to give you quite the same amount of money uh, before you go to a Carfax, a Carvana, you know, all the other different places you can go. I highly recommend you give We Buy Rides a try. Their personal customer service is going to be uh, unmatched by anybody else, and you're also really going to enjoy uh, just doing business with them. They specialize in diesel, 4x4, and Highline vehicles, and they can get you what you need if you're looking for a particular vehicle. I bet that they can find it for you, and best of all, and quite possibly most important of all, you take your vehicle to trade in or sell, you can confidently know you're going to be getting the best price for your vehicle, the best cash offer that you can get for your vehicle, all said and done in one location. That's WeBuyRidesWithAZ.com and WeBuyRides on Facebook. Last but not least, All Things UTV. Just ordered some parts from All Things UTV today because in my order I forgot to get some things. Dustin Robbins processed it and got it all squared away for me in a matter of about 30 minutes after our phone call. Um, super great to deal with, allthingsutv.com. Uh, I'm running their tender kit, I'm running their limit straps, I'm running a bunch of stuff from those guys. But one product in particular is their inner fender guards. If you guys have seen any of the pictures on Facebook or videos on Facebook of uh, limbs or logs or trees coming through the floorboards, uh, I knowing that I'm going to run my car pretty quick through the woods, installed a set of those inner fender guards uh, so that I, myself, and my passenger will be safe. Uh, it was an extremely reasonable price. I installed them in about 25 minutes or so. Had a, had a, had a you know, would have been awesome to have a third arm, but the install was super easy. Uh, the quality was really great. The welds are perfect. Uh, it fits perfect. I really have no complaints about how it all went together. Um, and that's how I confidently can tell you that all All Things UTV products will be. And they have super fast shipping. Uh, 
just crazy fast customer service and they're really great to deal with. That's All Things UTV on Facebook and All Things UTV on Instagram. So as I said earlier, my guest today is UTV champion, king of the hammers, UTV champion, however you want to say it, however you want to spend it. We have the man on top, Hunter Miller. Um, we got a chance today to talk about his background, um, a little bit of what he's doing right now, his busy schedule and where he's going to be in the future. So I'm not going to hold it up anymore. Without further ado, Hunter Miller. Get a drink and gather around. Let's talk drivers. Let's talk rigs. Let's talk skill. You've got the best of the best in the off-road racing world. Have a seat at the table with us and let's talk about racing on the rocks. Here on the line, I have King of the Hammers, UTV champion, Hunter Miller. How are you, Hunter? I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing really good. Uh, I mentioned it to you earlier. Uh, super, super excited. Very humbling to have uh, the king of the UTV hammers uh, on the show. Just very, very cool. Very, very exciting. Um, I'm ready to jump right in. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Tell me who you are outside of racing. What do you do for fun that's not these cars? And what do you do for a living? Oh, man. Uh I'd love to start listing my hobbies off, but it seems like I don't have any left anymore. <laughs> so busy with racing these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, outside of racing, you know, that that's my main job. Uh, my brother and I both uh, are able to make a living out of that. You know, not a, not a huge one, but mm-hmm. certainly can get by. Um, but we also have a couple of other hats we wear. My family's got a glass business, and uh, we manufacture all kinds of architectural interior glass for you know commercial buildings um we also have a cattle ranch uh that's decent size here in texas so you know between those two and racing uh there's not a lot of free time for myself so yeah so that's quite the you know i so i can't call myself as working two jobs and it sounds like you have three very legit very time consuming jobs uh, how big is your, what, would you call it a ranch since it's in Texas, since everything in Texas is a ranch? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could call it that. How many, how many uh, acres? So we own about 700 and then lease another 300 or so okay. that uh, we run cattle on. Um, you know, Cody, Cody handles most of that work. I don't get too involved with it mm-hmm. unless it's, uh, you know, the time of the year when we're working the cows or something, then I'll step in and help out for the day just for fun. But, uh, you know, other than that, I, I keep myself pretty busy on the glass side of the business and, uh, and wrenching on cars. Gotcha. Now, your brother, you mentioned Cody Miller, um, also coming off uh, a spectacular King of the Hammers performance, um, breaking his own record of being in the 4400 class uh, in his UTV. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that later because I, I want to pick your brain and then uh, eventually I'm going to ask Cody to get on the show and we'll pick his brain about it. But um, what did you do before you started competitively racing? Were you just doing the glass business? No, we've uh, man, we've been racing since we were kids. So actually I was racing long before I had any interest in the glass business. Really? Um, yeah, so so when I was six, my dad got us dirt bikes for Christmas. I think Cody was four at the time. And, you know, we, we lived in the city, and we had some property out in the country where we live now. And, uh, you know, he brought us out there, and, and 
we cruised around in those things all day into the evening every single day and uh then it was a couple of years later we'd go to the local motocross track and stuff you know and just have fun but you know a couple of years later my cousin brought her boyfriend to thanksgiving mm-hmm. out at our property and he brought some suzuki 230 four-wheelers mm-hmm. and uh we rode them all day and had an absolute blast well for christmas that year my dad got us a couple of yamaha blasters and i don't i was maybe 10 at the time and cody was about eight or nine and uh so we got into riding those and and tried to go to the same local motocross track well they ended up kicking us out because you know they said you had to be 14 mm-hmm. to ride a quad so it kind of pissed my dad off and we went back to the house and built our own track huh. uh we uh, started, we found a race series that was just getting started, and it was the Texoma Quad Racing Association, mm-hmm. and back then, it, it was a cross-country series, and uh, we raced a couple of races, and then it turned into a motocross series. Well, they, you know, it was a very, very small organization, and the guy that was putting it on had a motocross track at his house, and that's where all the races were held. Mm-hmm. Well, it was just just barely outside of city limits but i remember the the police getting called one time and they came and shut the race down well my dad stepped up and said well y'all can just have them at our house and so that series for the next three four years had every single race out at our motocross track dude that's crazy you know it yeah it grew and grew over the years and uh you know we were getting better and better of course and we started racing the national series and still racing TQRA, and TQRA actually grew into a really big series. Uh, I think in its heyday, it would have, you know, 200, 250 entries at a race. And, um, you know, it's just recently um, ended, so it went for, man, over 20 years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we started racing the, the motocross nationals on quads. Um, in 2008, uh, we signed Cody signed with Factory Can Am that year uh, and raced for the Warner team. And now that's that's year, racing quads, right? That was on quads. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then in 2009, I signed with Can Am, uh, racing a series out west in California. And I raced a couple of works races, but mostly it was the motocross series that was going on at the time out there. Um, and then, you know, we raced for a couple of years on the DS450, and then in 2012, uh, or 2011, I'm sorry, Ken M released the Commander. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd never really had any interest in side-by-side racing, because back then, you know, it was just rhinos, and, uh, you know, they were nothing like they are today, that's yeah. for sure. Um, but, you know, in 12... When Ken Am said, hey, do you guys want to, you know, give side-by-side a shot? Well, we didn't really have anywhere to race them, so we talked with our local uh, cross-country series, which is Torn, and asked them if, you know, they'd be interested in, in starting up a side-by-side class. And uh, the promote the owner of the series, you know, he used to race dirt track cars, and so it definitely parked his ears up real quick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it blew up down here. Um, in 2012, I think we averaged like 15 entries for side-by-sides. Mm-hmm. In 13, it doubled. In 14, it doubled. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and so in 2016, 
Uh, we were obviously doing well locally, and we'd gone to a couple big races and done pretty well. But in 2016, we wanted to move to the GNCC Series. Mm-hmm. So Cody and I went out there, not really knowing how we would do, but we were buddies with uh, Kyle Cheney, who yeah. um, was was winning most of those races. And we knew we, we you know, he was a little quicker than us at that stuff at the time. And, um, you know, but we knew we'd be fairly competitive. Um, so we went out there. Florida was the first one. And uh, I ended up having kind of a crappy year that year. I, I DNF'd, I think, four out of the six rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cody won uh, Florida. So he was doing really well. He ended up winning three of the six races that year. And Kyle, I think, won the other three. And Cody won the, the national championship. Wow. First year, first year out at it. Um, I had really good last two rounds. So I think I ended up six in the series somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, then in 17... Um, we went back and, uh, let's see, it came down to the last round at Ironman between Cody and I for the championship. <laughs> so uh, we were, we were battling and Cody was, had actually signed with Yamaha for 17. And, um, so it was kind of funny. It came down to us at the last race and Cody ended up getting me. Um, we were battling real hard and we came together coming at the top of, uh, Ironman Hill actually. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up breaking my front end mm. and, uh, he went on to win the race and I finished second in points that year. Uh, in 18 GNCC allowed turbos. And so Kyle and I got into the X three and, uh, had a good year. I, I didn't even win a race that year actually, but I ended up winning the GNCC title. Whoa. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a good year. I was on the podium every single race except one. Yeah. Uh, and Kyle had had some trouble at the beginning of the year. Cody had a little bit of a rough year. I think he ended up fifth in points. Um, and then, unfortunately, after 18, GNCC announced that they weren't going to have side by sides anymore, which was uh, kind of a heartbreaker. But uh, we decided we would go and give the work series a shot. Mm-hmm. So now, 16, let, me, let me pause real quick. Why did the GNCC make that decision to kind of ban the side-by-side league? You know, they say it's because of insurance, and I can definitely see that because, you know, at GNCC there's no track barriers. The, the fans are right there on the side of the course. And, um, you know, I know I, myself I had a couple of close calls. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they the fans are right there along the side of the track, and there's nothing separating them from, you know, 30-inch tires and 200 horsepower and 1,500 pounds. You, so, you would think that, you know, the revenue that the side-by-side industry now brings in, and I'm sure that they saw the momentum that was coming, you'd think they'd either invest in, uh, you know, barriers of some sort, or they'd get the people out of the way, you know? Yeah, you would think. I mean, it's <laughs> easy, I guess, for us to sit back and, and of course. say what they should do, but yeah. they're running the business, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, not to interrupt, you, you, you make the move to uh, the works. Um, and can you tell me, what is the full wording of the of the works uh, uh, league? Uh, it is the World Off-Road Championship Series. Mm-hmm. Man, don't quote me. That's something I should know, isn't it? Uh, your, your guess is just as good as mine. I'm sitting in front of a computer, so I, I could probably look better than you can. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, since we started running national series to this point, Cody won 16 and 17 
and I won 18 GMCC championships. Mm-hmm. Um, Works was kind of the next easy step because their format was similar to GMCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just on the opposite side of the country, and it's completely opposite terrain. So we had a pretty good idea of you know what we thought we needed to do as far as car setup. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of a lot of really good support behind us with a lot of great sponsors and. Um, so we went out there and um, had a, a kick-ass year that year too. Um, Cody was leading most of the series, and then going into the last race at Prim, um, it was a doubleheader weekend, and he had a bad day on Saturday, and I ended up second. So we went in. So going into the final race on the final day, um, we were like two points apart, but we were. Uh, I mean, it was a little more than that. Maybe it's like six points apart mm-hmm. and but we were locked into first and second so nobody could third place couldn't catch us so it's basically if i won he had to finish third in order to beat me yeah and if he finished worse than that then i would beat him well i let i took off and i led the entire race start to finish and he was running fourth the entire race and uh the last lap he made the pass for third right at the and uh, ended up having tied in points for the championship. But since he had two wins on the season and I only had one, he ended up getting me. Wow. Uh, so another year, you know, won two in points, which was, was really good. Um, and then, you know, after that, we had kind of had the plan to uh, do King of the Hammers in uh, this year, uh, going into 2018 one trip out to Johnson Valley to uh, start free running. No, I'm sorry. Our first trip out to Johnson Valley was, was after that race. Okay. Um, we took our free runner cars with us and uh, decided to go out there and, and, and get our feet wet with it. So from there, we just started learning as much as we could. We didn't have any experience with rocks at all, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the first day we were out there, we looked like the biggest goons <laughs> that place has probably ever seen, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just like anything, it, it didn't take too much time. What we thought was going to be the best setup for us and what we were the most comfortable with, um, we had taken a 72-inch car uh, X3 and a 64 uh, to try them both mm-hmm. and decided we liked the 64 a little bit better. Um, we didn't pre-run as much of this, uh, as much of the desert as we probably should have, mm-hmm. but uh, we uh, came, made one more trip out in December um, with what we kind of thought would be our final race setup as far as suspension and stuff, um, which we were pretty far off on, it turns out. <laughs> Uh, so built the two race cars, um, and got done, you know, basically right before the race, mm-hmm. uh, went out there a week early and spent the week pre-running and suspension testing, um, pretty much spent the entire time suspension testing, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were way, way off. We went out there originally with our, our work set up and it was just entirely too stiff for the desert. Um, but after the week with, uh, Doug Roll from Elka and George White from Double E Racing, which is our suspension tuner. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, it seemed like right there at the very end, they just nailed it, and we couldn't have asked for anything better. 
uh, and that, that took us right into race day. So let me let me just break some of this down. Um, you know, you guys go out there, you make multiple trips to Johnson Valley to get prepared for this. It sounds like most of your preparation in terms of the suspension and whatnot was geared towards being fast in the desert. And, you know, I think, uh, how, how, how many times did you guys run the rock trails? Let me ask that. What's that? Uh, how many times did you guys run the rock trails? Uh, well, you know, so it's really, we were only running rock trails, to be honest with you. Um, which is the whole reason we picked the 64 inch car because, you know, I felt like with the wider one, I was having to just run over so much more where the 64, which we're, we're super comfortable in a narrow car anyway, because that's what we've always run, mm-hmm. uh, with cross country racing that we kind of felt like we could just snake through the rocks without actually having to hit a lot of them, you know, yeah. it could go a lot faster and. You know, uh, that was another hard part was we didn't know the pace to run through the rocks. Um, being that, A, we had never raced in rocks before. B, we had never raced King of the Hammers before. And C, we had never raced anything that long before. I mean, we really had never even done a desert race besides uh, UTV World Championship, which I guess I, f- I forgot about that. Cody also won the UTV World Championship in 19 um, in the short course race. Yeah. But... Um, you know, everything we had ever done was like sprint type racing, you know, where you're going as hard as you possibly can. And so it was it was definitely a pretty steep learning curve. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody that we were pre-running with, Phil Blurton was with us, and he's done that race quite a few times, him and Bo Judge. Um, and we had John Crowley from UTV Guide with us, which had a ton of experience out there. Mm-hmm. And everybody was saying like y'all are y'all are going entirely too fast through the rocks, you know. You they'll never finish driving like that. Um, but neither one of us really felt like we were bashing the cars too bad, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were definitely going hard, but um, at the same time, we kind of wanted to see what was going to fail, and we definitely broke a few parts, you know, uh, mm-hmm. mainly just driveline stuff, just an axle here, or there, uh, drive shaft, but. Um, we really had no idea, so we were just kind of driving what we felt comfortable with, you know, as far as the pace, thinking that, okay, well, we can always back it down from here, you know, but we'll see what, what fails on these things. And so we really put all our focus into going fast through the rocks, which is where it kind of bit us, where we got so far off with our suspension, because when we got there and we actually started pre-running some of the desert, we realized that, hey, you know, we're we're way, way off on the suspension. The car will never finish bashing it through these whoops and stuff like this, hitting this hard. Yeah. So, and, and same with us. I mean, we'd have been pissing blood the whole time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I spent the majority of my week, especially out there, I mean, it was putting shocks on, taking them right back off. And then, you know, we'd go out and pre-run a little bit while on the pre-runners mm-hmm. while uh, George and Doug would be, messing with the suspension we'd come back we'd run them for you know five ten minutes and try them again and then same thing and it was just back and forth um you know i i I keep saying this like the very the race course is not the hardest part of that race it's everything else that goes into it i mean the preparation logistics the the building cars i mean it's a pain just to even 
feed your whole crew out there, you know? Yeah. Because you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask you a quick uh, shock tuning question there. Because you mentioned that your work setup was too stiff for the desert. And I've always, so get a little bit about myself, um, never been to the desert and never really run into like wide open whoops. I'm in, I'm in Tennessee, so we just don't have that terrain where it's flat and open. We, we just, we don't. Um, you know, I've always thought that you want a super firm for the desert because, you know, it needs to not only pop back quickly, but it also needs to, you know, be able to take the grunt of hitting the whoop that you don't necessarily see. So you're going to have a more more than firm setup. And you're saying that, you know, you guys had too firm of a setup. Uh, is is the sprint car stuff just super demanding that you need something really stiff? Or, you know, is your version of soft not really that soft? What, what do you think about that? I mean, our version of soft mate is probably not that soft compared to, like, your average trail rider that okay. uh, is just looking for straight comfort. Sure. But, you know, for GMCC and works, we set our cars up more for cornering than we do for jumping or, or getting through the rough stuff, you know? Sure. Um, like, they, they have to work in the rough, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, the races are, are generally all won and lost in the corners, and... You know, with an hour race, we can stand to take a little bit of a beating. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as long as we can throw the cars into the corners as hard as we want. So, you know, but out there in the desert, I mean, you're going straight for miles and miles and miles and miles. Yeah. With the car getting bucked around and, and, you know, every little hole you hit is just jarring you. Uh, It's not fast, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, we get sense. to a corner and you kind of go through it, and then you're going straight again. So, so you had this perfect storm. Uh, it sounds like everything seemed to kind of align. Um, it's not, and I'm sure, you know, those who are listening will correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, I don't think that there's ever been a king in any division. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Uh, that has shown up on their first year and and won. Now. It sounds like, you know, you guys definitely put the preparation in. You had the, you know, the car, the mechanical parts, the mechanical knowledge. Um, You had all the prerequisites. But it also sounds like, you know, there was not ignorance in a bad way, but like an ignorance to the speed and the rocks. Of You guys really were, you know, you're, you're saying, we didn't really know how fast to go. So you guys are going, you know, fast. Because fast for you guys isn't necessarily... Or, or slow for you guys, maybe some of these other guys is fast. Um, was it just a perfect storm that led you to win this race? Or was it, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Man, it, there's a lot to it. I mean, I, I, I guess you could say it's a perfect storm. There's definitely not one thing that played out. I mean, I keep going back to the race and finding so many little spots where something went right or it went wrong, Mm -hmm. but it went wrong at the right time. And, uh, you know, that's what kind of led to that win. I mean, I, I, I go back to, uh, the first lap going down back door. We had free run back door probably 20 times Mm -hmm. over the two trips before and the week of, you know, and I had never tethered down it one single time. Uh, and we get up there in the race and, and, 
Kyle, we got came into it right behind Kyle, and Kyle's tethering down it. We're like, well, we may as well. You know, I could probably drive off this thing, but we're up front. There's no sense in taking a chance. Mm-hmm. So we got out, and we tethered down it just the same. Well, you know, I, I probably could have just as easily driven down it and passed Kyle right there. But there's a chance that had I done that and – you know, he had eaten my dust for the next hour and I hadn't eaten his that I might have pulled a bigger lead. And, uh, well, fast forward a little bit. When Kyle wrecked, it was because he was trying to follow right up uh, this rocky ridge right behind me and he just was lost in the dust and hit a rock, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but Kyle had 30 seconds of adjusted time on me. So, you know, had he not flipped right there and, and not lost that 30 seconds, you know, he'd have, he'd have been the winner and not me. Um so it, you know, and, and had I passed him right there, who knows how that would have played out. He may have been a little further back than he was mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, wouldn't have rolled right there. And, you know, he may have won, you know, there's so many little things that make such a difference. I mean, uh, Kyle was absolutely flying, you know, and had he not rolled right there, I mean, it would have been a battle. I don't know that I could have pulled any time on him, yeah. uh, much less 30 seconds, you know, or, at the same time, we may have pushed each other so hard that both of us broke. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, there's really no way, for, I think, for anybody to win this race without it being a perfect storm of events for, for them on that day, you know? Yeah. Um, we were as prepared as we possibly could have been, uh, given our experience and uh, our knowledge. But, you know, it was a whole new ball game that we were getting into. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. A lot of luck played out. For yeah. Sure. Um, so let me ask you this. You know, you mentioned you guys are kind of in that heated battle back and forth. Um, do you have comms with your team uh, basically explaining, you know, oh, you know, watching the trackers, seeing where you guys are, seeing if you have eyes on them, you know, saying, you know, what's going on? Are you guys in constant communication throughout the entire race? Uh, you are when you're about five miles from the pits, but other than that, when you're in those rock canyons, man, you, you can't really get a signal out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, I knew Kyle started on the road behind us and I, you know, obviously could see him the entire time. So, um, but I had no idea where anybody else was until we pitted at pit one B and they said that Kyle and I had a pretty good lead on everybody else. And, uh, that, you know, Phil was in third. And then after that, that's pretty much all I knew. Then Kyle and I took off. We came into the pit together. He took off a little bit ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we ended up getting right back together before we uh, got to the main pit. And so we didn't really know where anybody else was. And then I remember him going into uh, pit one again because he, he was having a, a transmission issue and he wanted to, and his radio, I guess, had gone out. And so he wanted to relay to his pit to have some oil waiting. And uh, that's where we took back over the lead. And then, you know, we went through some new desert trail and then out on the lake bed. And we were cruising across the lake bed. And I thought we had pulled a big lead on Kyle. I I had no idea. And then we go around the next corner and Chad said, oh, Kyle's right there on our ass, you know? Yeah. And so we started going hard again. And then uh, that's that's right where uh, Kyle had rolled. But... We still had no idea he even did that. I know we came into aftershock, and uh, we I, it was probably the biggest mistake we made all day, but we uh, 
came into one little rock section and made a last minute decision to, to change our line and go right. And it, we went straight bumper into a rock, you know, just at a crawl pace, mm-hmm. but I went to back up and somehow we had slid down and I was, my back bumper was on a rock and my front bumper was on a rock and we had about an inch and a half of movement back and forth. <laughs> and so I sat there for a good five minutes, like Austin Powers trying to, you know, roll back and forth. But you know, Cody and I run a steering quickener, and so our steering's a little heavier than it is on a stock unit, especially if you're not moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, as soon as I would try to just roll my tire a little bit so that I could turn my steering wheel, I'd be right back into that other rock. And I didn't know how we were going to get out, but eventually we did. Um, and But Kyle still never came. So uh, by the time we got into the pits, they said that he had rolled and he was a ways back. So from there on, from pit uh, at pit 2B, uh, no, that was 2A when we got radio. They said he wasn't coming. And from then on, we, we put it on cruise control big time. Yeah. Um, we backed the pace way, way, way down uh, just to make sure we got to the finish line. Man, dude, that's like, that's like nail biting. That's crazy. It's just the whole, the whole story is absolutely crazy. And like a hats off performance to you guys and your team. Um, but let me ask you this. If you had to say one thing, one thing that, that really opened the door for you to win that race, what was it? Uh, man, I'd say, well, there's a million things, but I will tell you one of the biggest things was uh my co-pilot chad hughes um chad has raced that race i think this is his sixth year um and he's done well i believe he's been on the podium before racing himself chad's a hell of a driver uh himself you know Mm -hmm. um and it just so he was originally my co-pilot was uh gonna be adam mcgill which uh is one of the pro quad guys from back east at gncc who Mm -hmm. was my co-pilot at gncc um and Chad and Adam would have done awesome, um, definitely. But Chad just has so much experience out there. He knew every single line like the back of his hand. You know, he's basically like a human GPS out there. Yeah. Um, and so he he pretty much had the course memorized. And, and the way Chad's mind works, I mean, he, he rolls through something one time, he remembers it and doesn't forget it. It's pretty incredible. Uh, so that made my job a lot easier. You know, when we were out there, pre-running i would i would literally go cross-eyed going through those rock trails mm-hmm. and to have somebody like that that's just guiding me through it and all i have to do is go where they tell me to i mean that's easy for me you know i would uh, i would never say that that driving through the hammers is easy i would probably say it's easier because you have someone to help you but uh, i think i think you you know uh i think you're underplaying how, how good of a driver and how excellent of a performance you had well, I mean, I, again, I was pretty much doing what he told me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I understand. Knew, uh, I knew the, I know my capabilities. I knew the capabilities of the car, um, and and so did he. That was that was the thing. Was he knew exactly what we could go up and what we couldn't. You know. Yeah. Um, and so that was that was definitely my biggest advantage. Um, you know, Cody Taylor was my, my brother's co-pilot, and I would say he's equally as good in the rocks. Yeah. Um, but he just doesn't have the experience with Johnson Valley that Chad has. Mm-hmm. Um, give him a few more trips out there, and he definitely will be uh, just as good. So, 
Um, I'm hoping that uh, neither one of them plan on riding with anybody else or racing it themselves. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure after that, it, it's uh, it's got to be a pretty easy buyback in to uh, be in the in the winning car for sure. For sure. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, after King of Hammers is over, uh, you guys kind of take a deep breath, have a minute to relax. Um, what is your most prevalent thought when you look back on King of the Hammers? Man, you know what? Um, bad thing is we haven't had a moment to sit back and relax. Oh, man. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that's, uh, it's been kind of a burnout since then just because we've been go, go, go. So yeah. the work series actually started the week before Hammers. Whoa. So we literally drove to Prim, Nevada with the works cars. Mm-hmm. We're based there drove all the way back to texas uh and we're in east texas so mm-hmm. so long ways yeah you guys are um, you guys are right next to uh louisiana dustin jones actually was on the show last week and uh he uh he gave you guys a pretty serious shout out yep yep those guys are uh he's definitely a lot more famous than we are for <laughs> for the area so uh yeah he's they're about two hours east of us and, and s3 um Power Sports, you know, they do all the all the chassis fab that uh, goes on. They they built the chassis for our hammers cars, mm-hmm. and they do our works cars. They do everything. Um, great guys over there, but uh, yeah. So, but Dustin knows as well as anybody how far it is across Texas. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. so drove all drove all the way back to East Texas. Um, um, loaded the works cars loaded up the pre runners and the hammers cars, which we ended up having to drive two trailers back out there because we had to bring our defenders and uh, other pit vehicles and stuff. And uh, went back out to Johnson Valley. Uh, we're there two weeks for hammers. Came all the way back, and uh, then it's been nonstop. I think uh, I'm in the middle of about a nine-week stint of racing every weekend right now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, we have, we have a really awesome... Uh, local series that we weren't really planning on doing because we didn't know about it at first um with a facility here in dallas called texplex yeah and yeah they're putting on a really badass series um the facility is amazing i mean they've got a super cross track motocross track uh utv specific uh i don't even want to call it a short course track Mm -hmm. it's it's like a motocross track but specifically for side by sides. so i mean just take uh take a dirt bike or ATV motocross track and just upscale it by, you know, five times. And that's what it is. I mean, huge, huge wide corners and gigantic bowl turns by gigantic. I mean, they have one turn that the bowl is probably 50 foot tall. Um, Yeah. Big, big sailing jumps. I mean, it's very specific for side by sides. Um, then they've got you know a dirt bike motocross track. They've got a truck for or track a big off road loop for uh, big trucks and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, all kinds of stuff. But they put together a series that ran January through. Um, I think it runs through July. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'm forgetting one because their first race was January 4th. So after we got back from free running the second time, we had their first race January 4th. Uh, the first works race. January 15th or 16th mm-hmm. and then straight back and then straight to Johnson Valley to race hammers on February 2nd and then back. And then I think we had another Texplex race and then, uh, works again, uh, maybe a week later. And then right now it's like 
we were in um, uh, Taft, California last weekend for works. So then we have TexFlex this weekend. Then have a week off. I lost you there. Can you repeat that? Trace. Hey, I, so. I, you kind of you kind of cut in and out on us. Can you repeat that last part? Oh, sorry about that. You're yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we had the Texplex race January fourth, uh-huh. then Prim a week later, then Hammers uh, a week later after that. You know, between the whole time we we're out there, uh, I get back, have another Texplex race, and then and we were in Taft, California last weekend for works. Then we have Texplex this coming weekend. And then have a suit next weekend. So, like I said, we hadn't really caught our breath yet. It's been nonstop. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you a question because obviously you're you know working on the cars, getting everything prepared day after you know weekend after weekend. When when you need to take a break and step away, that's where most of you know I would say most of the people who have side by sides, you know that's their let me step away and go do this. Um, that's yeah. their recreation. That's their fun. What do you go do? when you need a minute, like when you just need a break? Uh, man, I, I really enjoy just hanging out at home with my wife um, when I can do that. I mean, I guess uh, other than that, my main hobby would be mountain biking. It's one of my favorites. That's cool. What kind of bike um, do you have? I've got a couple. I, I've been real into gravel riding actually lately, and uh, I've got a Cannondale Super, Super X, and then uh, my mountain bike is a Cannondale Scalpel. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, there's a lot of riding like in the Smoky Mountains and stuff like that for mountain bikes. And uh, Windrock is a really big park that has tons of UTV riding and also like a real serious mountain bike course. Um, and that kind of leads me to like, so you've raced West Coast. You're, you're a, a certified West Coast Central America racer. Um, do you think that you'll ever come race in the East Coast races? Uh, as far as rock racing, man, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, so, so we have yeah. Pro Rock. Uh, that Pro Rock has an endurance series, which um, I personally have raced in. Awesome, really good courses. Um, the Southern Rock Racing Series paired up with Ultra Four last year um, to do the Ultra Four Titan Series, and then obviously you have the Ultra Four East Coast. Um, and all of those races are kind of at the I'm using air quotes here iconic East Coast parks, uh, East Coast parks. And uh, I know that my listeners are um, all over the nation, but uh, a lot of them are in the southeast, and uh, they would love to get a chance to come see, you know, how you compare to the guys out here that are winning. Yeah, man, I'd love to. I mean, and from what I've seen, a lot of the guys that are winning are, are buddies from back when we raced UNCC, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I would love to uh, get back out there and race with those guys some more, you know. Um, it's a lot of fast guys out east, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, especially in the woods. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, at, you know, like this time of year, like I said, we're so busy with works and Texplex. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding another race to my schedule just seems like something I couldn't even comprehend. But, yeah. Uh, well, you never know. Next year, I mean, for sure, we'll be looking to, uh, you know, we've got a lot of changes we plan on making for our hammer setup. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely need to put in some testing and and would love to go i always say the best testing is racing obviously so well let uh, me ask you this you know you're coming off a pretty pretty i mean for the most part a flawless performance at king of the hammers it's your first year you come out you knock off the victory um you say you have a lot of changes coming 
Why would you fix something that doesn't seem to be broken? <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll get to that later with, with what Cody did. But, uh, you know, we did well, and our cars worked good, or our cars worked awesome. But, you know, as you're going through that stuff, you definitely see stuff that you can improve, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if you're not improving, you're going backwards. Sure. So. You know, what worked for me this year doesn't mean that everybody else isn't going to step their game up and uh, smoke me next year. You yeah, know? So, yeah, that's very true. Um, that's very, very true. There's you know, a few things that we got by with that maybe just got by by the skin on our teeth, and uh, we need to improve them in order to uh, to advance next year, you know? Sure. Um, so let me ask you, because um, I know we're, we're on uh, an hour-ish timeline here, and we're right at about the 40-minute mark. Um so your brother races in the 4400 class. Uh, he not only races, but he he finishes the race. Um, and I actually interviewed one of the guys who started after him, um, but I believe caught up to him. Uh, and, and he caught up to him in Cougar Buttes. And uh, in in you know I highly recommend his name's Jay Calloway. Go listen to the episode. Uh, and I recommend I'm going to say this to your brother as well uh, before he comes on the show. Um, Jay was very, uh, very, very non-personal or anything like that, uh, but it was a sportsmanship comment where he said, um, basically, uh, being in a 4400 car, he didn't feel, you know, I'll say it like confident in his driving skills and or comfortable um, making the same pass that he would on your brother that he would normally do on a 4400 car just due to safety reasons, you know, he, he wasn't going to smack the back of the car. He wasn't going to give him the nudge. Um, he wasn't going to try and come across the side of him or, you know, he even mentioned in Cougar Buttes, there was a, a ledge that he actually waited, um, just to make sure he saw your brother come out the other side, just so that he wasn't, you know, underneath the ledge flipped over and by chance, you know, possibly going to get run over in the car. Um, obviously there's a little bit of weight difference between the 4,400 and the side by sides. Um, but it was something that he pointed out that I hadn't heard yet. And it, and it does, me as a UTV driver, I'm not necessarily one who would sign up and want to be scrubbing with the big guys in the big cars. Um, not for myself, any particular reason other than just, uh, you know, that's a lot more weight and a lot more power and movement and momentum. Uh, and I would hate to be on the wrong side of that. What are your thoughts on that? Exactly my thoughts on it, you know. Um, when so Cody, Cody obviously had bad luck uh, during the race. I, I don't even know if I'd call it bad luck or just um, you know a mistake on our part. Like I said, we were suspension testing over and over and over. Shocks were coming off and on and off and on, and we think that the rear shock bolt just got over torqued on Cody's race car and uh, ended up breaking, you know, a couple miles into the race and, sure. and cost him. Uh, like 20 minutes or so. So, you know, he came back to ninth, which was amazing, but he definitely wasn't happy with that, especially after I won. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, feels like had had he not broke, which he would have, he would have been right up there uh, at the finish with us. Right. So, you know, he was... It started off as a joke. I mean, at breakfast the next day, they're like, oh, you know, and I was already... um, on my way home actually because generally he drives to the races and i fly mm-hmm. um but i was already home and they said well we're thinking about running the 4400 class and i was like yeah no yeah right no you're not you'll yeah. get killed out there you know and 
Cody, you know, again, it started as a joke. Well, then Cody kind of started asking around and talked to Ultra 4, and all of a sudden everybody's pumped on it. You know, just checking on safety stuff, and they said, yeah, you know, everything would pass tech. So decided just to go for it. And the course was so much different, you know, from those big trucks to um, the Mm side-by-side race. Uh, just because of the horsepower and the tire size that they have, that it's not even comparable. I mean, if you look at uh, qualifying times, if you watch Cody's 4400 qualifying, it looked like he was going three times faster than he was in the UTV race. And, you know, he was nine seconds slower. Mm-hmm. So that just tells you how much more beat up the course was. So um, in answer to your question, yeah, the safety part is is pretty scary, to be honest with you. Um those things could absolutely crush you for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, hopefully all of the drivers were as conscious as, uh, as he was about, you know, making sure that they weren't going to run over, uh, that little side by side. Um, but at the same time, um, and you know, back to the changes we want to make for next year, I think there are a lot of things that we can improve on to make those cars, where they're somewhat competitive in that class. I mean, of course, they're not going to um, run through the desert with those things or or through the big rock obstacles, but they're they're pretty snaky in the uh, in the you know the main rock trails compared to a big car. Sure. And can get through that stuff pretty quick. So it's a different uh, a different approach to the race. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know. I mean. So, so let me ask you, you know, cause I don't personally believe, you know, without making huge modifications to the chassis, I mean, if I'm in, in, in again, we'll take sportsmanship out of it. We'll take it as I'm, uh, I'm in the top five and your brother's in the top five. And if it's the difference between second and third or fourth and fifth, because I'm confident that you guys could be competitive at that level. I, I really do feel like that. Um, you know. And your car is in the way, you know. Someone will run like run over your car. What do you yeah. think about that? I mean, because that's I mean that's it is kind of is what it is there. It, that's exactly it. That's a risk that you know if you sign up in that class in a UTV, that's something you better recognize going in that there is that chance that that's going to happen. You know, or mm-hmm. could happen. Sure. Uh, you know, in my opinion, if a UTV is going to race that class, I think there ought to be maybe some more strict rules to uh, cage design than there are for the typical UTV class. Sure. Um, because, it, you know, going in, taking that risk that somebody's going to run over your car and crush it and total it and it's trash, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Um, but the risk that they run over the cage and crush you and kill you, um, that's a whole other thing. Right. Um, both are possible. If it's just the risk of, of trashing the car, then, yeah, I mean, that's something you can accept. But right. I do think that to race a UTV in that class that you probably ought to have some pretty serious safety uh, stuff done to the cage to make sure that if a 4400 rolls over on that thing, um, that that cage can't come in on you. you know? Precisely, yeah. And, and I think that that's a much more um, likely scenario, uh, especially when sportsmanship gets involved, that it would be an accident by, by any measure. Um, but let me ask you this, you know, with that in mind and, you know, the fact that accidents happen and, you know, sometimes the worst case scenario is the scenario, 
Um, should a UTV really be in the 4400 class? I mean, what? So when you look at the races, you have a UTV course and you have a 4400 course. What does it necessarily say that a UTV were to finish the 4400 course? Now, I think that that is the achievement, um, and that the car is competitive and beats the other cars. Um, I think is also an achievement. However, when you're comparing, you know, the 4400 class, um, should it not be 4400 cars? You know, it's kind of like, and you know, the 4400 class. Oh, and the side by side landed somewhere in the mix um, because it really kind of, you know, to me it defeats the purpose of having a you know spec 4400 class rather than kind of having an open class a lot like you'd see in fighting where you have an open weight division well so what defines them as a 40 i mean 4400 is unlimited correct sure yeah so what what defines them as a 4400 i mean is it what makes a side-by-side not you know a built-up side-by-side not a 4400 car because it's belt driven and you know, as a production engine and chassis. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, I, uh, Ross Pilgrim's new 4400 car is not much bigger than, uh, you know, an X3, if at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a V6 in it and, uh, you know, manual transmission. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's it's not a whole lot bigger than uh, one of our cars. Yeah, um, and obviously it's custom built, and the thing is is ridiculous. But, yeah, uh, for our listeners, that's our that's our secret forty four spec UTV that we've been you know hinting at for the last little while. Go go find Ross Pilgrim and did just ruin something. No, 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 not at all. I I've, we we've kind of just been beating around the bush on it. I've had a couple people come on and kind of hint at it, but um, Ross actually reached out to me and um, kind of talked to me a little bit, and I'm sure that he'll reach out to me about this here, but. Uh, that car, Mad Ram 11 put pictures up of it. Um, you just got to do a little bit of searching to find them. Um, that is a beast of a machine. And personally, um, I think that that's where the future goes. And the reason I ask the question, does a UTV belong in that 4400 class, is because uh, I, I really think that um, with your brother having so good success and Ross's you know, kind of Frankenstein machine coming to life here and kind of breeding its own its own class, its own form. Um, I think that's the future of not only the 4400 class, but I think that's the future of the side-by-side class is that hybrid of the two. Um, and I think that that's the future of, you know, the top-of-the-line off-road racing because your brother proved that the car is capable to do the course. And, uh, you know, the 4400 cars um, prove that bigger power, bigger tires uh, seems to be better so, you know, kind of conjoining the two, you'll get the, you know, the new top tier of fastest car. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's what's so awesome about that class is it's literally, you know, run what you brung. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I saw Ross's car, and at first I thought it was a side-by-side, and then I started looking, and I was like, whoa, no, it's not. Uh, I just happened to be up there at uh, Hammertown Heights um, looking for somebody else and came across it. Yeah. And, uh I mean, yeah, the thing is insane looking. Yeah, um, it's a funky machine, man. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, you know, and obviously it's very, very well built, but, you know, you get a 4400 car that's twice the size of that one run over it, it's going to be not a whole lot different outcome than uh, running over a side-by-side Agreed. that's well built. Agreed. Uh, and I think I think that's kind of the, the, the big question marks, and I think that 
uh, your your brother particularly opened that door, and I wanted to get your opinion on all those questions, just because um, you know we're, it's kind of he along with Ross and along with the the, the Ultra Four division or the series, um, they're paving a new way into this unmarked territory. So I think it's very exciting. Uh, again, I personally think that that's the future of the the top of the line. Uh, you know, so it's very exciting. Oh yeah. No, absolutely, and the, the beautiful thing is side-by-sides are improving every day, you yeah. know. Uh, you look at Ken Am's history, I mean, in 11 and 12, they had the Commander, and then in 13, they had the Maverick. 13 and 14, they had the same platform. Well, then in 15, they released another version of that platform. Mm-hmm. Then in 17, it's the X3, and I mean, so you have a, a five-year period, or a six-year period, where you went from a Commander to an X3, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, imagine what these things are going to be like in ten years. Yeah. Um, I, I fully agree with you. It's very, it's a very exciting time. Yeah. So let me. I got two more questions for you to kind of rattle off uh, pretty quickly. Um, the first question: I'm a Polaris guy. Uh, you're obviously a Can-Am guy. What does Polaris have to do to catch up with the X3? Um, the X3 is taken off. Uh, I've I've done polls on Facebook, and you can kind of just get the general consensus. Um, Can-Am is taking the lead in the market. What does Polaris have to do to catch up and make themselves another, you know, another solid competitor with the new X3? Oh, man. Uh, just release something better, you know? Yeah. Um, Polaris obviously always had one up on Can-Am. Sure. I won't say always, but they they always seem to have, you know, just be that one extra step. Yep. Um, further than, than Can-Am was. Um, and it's because they've been in the market so much longer. You know, Can-Am is, is pretty new to side-by-sides. Mm-hmm. And to look how far they've come, like I said, in just a couple of years is is amazing. Um, Polaris will always have something good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to surpass the X3, I mean, man, you never know what the X3 may look like in a couple of years. So, I know, you can't uh, guys, or keep keep telling me that. Uh, you you just, uh, you never know. I mean, they're going to have to come out with something pretty dang impressive uh, to catch up. But, um, you know, it, it's a, a fast driver is going to go fast behind the Polaris for Can-Am. Um, I'm definitely very, very happy to be with Can-Am and, mm-hmm. and hope that I drive for them the rest of my career. Um, I fully plan on it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm sure Polaris will have something good. Yeah. Well, that was that's that's always my question. Is I always Polaris drivers get the question of what can Can-Am do, and then uh, Can-Am drivers obviously get the opposite. Um, but my last question for you, um, where are you going to be in the future this year where people can come see you? Because uh, obviously people are going to gain wind. You're just gaining massive, you know, massive wind in your sails. Uh, people want to come see you, want to come meet you. Where can they do that? Uh, we'll be at all the rest of the works races, um, as well as the Texplex races here in Texas. Um, I can't say enough about Texplex, man. They are they are really investing so much into that facility, um, both time and money, and uh, really putting everything out there. They're trying to grow that. And so uh, we definitely want to support that facility and series as much as we possibly can. So. You know, anybody close to the East Coast, definitely Texplex is going to be uh, your best bet. And then uh, on the West Coast side, uh, we'll be at all the works races. 
Quick question. Texplex, if I, as a recreational guy, want to come out and run my car on the course, can I do that? Absolutely. I believe they're open six days a week, matter Whoa. of fact, or seven. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, the whole place is, is open to whatever you want it to. Uh, you can run their, their UTV-specific track. You can run the big long loop. Uh, very, very cool people there and, and very easy to get along with, very welcoming. Um, they, they go above and beyond to uh, make everybody that comes to their facility feel welcome. Cool. That's, that's really awesome. Uh, if I ever make it that way, uh, I'll try and make it for a race, and, and we'll try and link up. Um, but that kind of ends the, all the questions that I had for you. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't get to talk to that you'd like to talk about? Oh, man. Uh, I think we covered the basis of it. You know, um, like I said, before before this year, we never really had much interest in, in doing the King of the Hammers um, until I went out there and pre-ran for the first time and, and am absolutely addicted to it. That's awesome. Uh, especially after doing well. You know, it... it mm-hmm. It was so. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, you know, preparing for that race, and for all the the late nights and and long, long, long hours and all the money spent to pay off. Uh, that uh, really fed the addiction. That's for sure. Yeah, so I'm sure. It seems like it's all all I can think about now is is what we can do to improve for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'll give you a chance if there's any sponsors that you want to say your thanks to. Uh, I'll definitely give you the opportunity to do that now. Oh, man. Uh, we have so many people behind us that, uh, you know, we couldn't, absolutely couldn't do it without. Um, you know, Can Am being the biggest one for sure. Uh, like I said, we've been with them since uh, 08 and 09 um, between Cody and I. And they put a lot of faith in us over the years. And, uh, you know, we absolutely could not be doing this without them. Uh, Maxis tires, um, Raceline wheels, Elka suspension, uh, George White from Double E Racing. We really, uh, that guy does so much for us. I mean, he comes to all the works races with us uh, to help us with mechanicing as well as suspension tuning. Um, S3 Power Sports, like we said, right over there in Louisiana, um, do all of our chassis work. Uh, Texera Tech does all of our you know, bolt-on suspension components, mm-hmm. uh, trailing arms, A-arms, uh, SSI decals, and other, Ian's been with us since, I think it was 06, when he first got into making uh, uh, wraps for, for ATVs, um, factory UTV skid plates, uh, Sparco, uh, Hess Motorsports, longtime friends, uh, been buddies with Sean since probably around 04, um, you know, Sean was a cross-country racer, and he's local here in Texas. So, uh, you know, we've been racing with him for a long, long time. Um, they make all kinds of, of really, really nice uh, billet parts. They manufacture the steering quickeners that we run, as well as uh, the billet front and rear knuckles. Uh, tire balls, of course. Um, didn't get to run those at King of the Hammers. But, uh, wow. you know, yeah, yeah, that was a strange rule to us, but I guess I understand the point of it. That's that's um, a new rule this year, I believe. It's what? I, I, I believe that's a new rule. I'm not I'm not sure. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, all I'd ever heard was no flat prevention, so huh. um, it's a little it's worded a little confusing to me in the rule book. But yeah, um, yeah obviously we didn't run them. So uh, okay. Lewis Power Sports is our local dealership. Uh, been working with them since '08 when we first signed with Can Am. Um, good buddies of ours and, uh, and great people. 
uh, Keller ball joints. Um, you know, again, another product we run out there. Uh, the OEM uh, X3 ball joints are great, but Keller's are, are next level. Uh, Evo Power Sports, um, AIM Sports Data, which is uh, a tool we use that's a data logging system that has saved our ass several times. Anti <laughs> <laughs> uh, gravity batteries, uh, DP brakes, HMF racing. Um, Hans, actually the owner of HMF, flew out to Hammers to help us all week, you know, mechanic and pit uh, uh, and everything. I mean, the dude had to, was fabricating stuff, him and Ed from Texera. Uh, along with Cody Taylor, actually, from S3, we're, we're all fabricating parts for our cars the night before the race. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. And I say we worked hard. I mean, it's an understatement. We were up till 2 a.m. the night before the race uh, to get up at 5 to get ready for staging, you know? Dude, um, that's, that's got to be one of the craziest things, man. Just, like, you're about to have the biggest day of your life, and you're out there, oh, let me just build something significant for my car. It it. It really was, and I mean, just the prep, because after qualifying, you know, we stripped those cars completely down, and uh, to reprep them, all new drive line through the whole thing, so wow. uh, just didn't want to have a problem, you know? Yeah, that's pretty uh, great, that's that's an amazing amount of work there. Yeah, uh, Warranty Killer Performance, they, they make, like, uh, some of the clutch components we run. Uh, Warren Industries, obviously, the winches, they were a new sponsor, um, coming on right before KOH, um, Obviously, they're a big part of hammers, and uh, luckily, I never had to use my winch, but <laughs> I believe Cody used his quite a bit. <laughs> uh, Renegade fuel and uh, PPEI tuning. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, shout out to all those guys. Uh, they're absolutely awesome because they support the industry and support excellent drivers like yourself. Um, I did look it up. The tire ball came into effect 2018, and not to open the conversation back up, but it's pretty interesting what they said in the rule book. It says, uh, basically, the letter from Dave Cole talks about providing a safe and competitive race series, and that if you have a safety net that you won't get a flat tire, it allows drivers to take risk without impunity. That's kind of silly. Ha! I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I know what he's saying. I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we started running tire balls, and all of a sudden you don't have to think about things that we did before. Um, yeah, that's kind of... It's kinda... not like it's impossible to... It's not like your tires are bulletproof, but yeah. they definitely help, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when they're allowed, I certainly will not ever race without them, that's for sure. They've saved me <laughs> coming off the first works race. Uh, I pulled my tires off when I was washing everything and I had a hole in my wheel about the size of my fist Dude. and didn't even know it. So, that's crazy. Uh, you know, that would have wrecked my race for sure. Yeah, no. yeah, that's absolutely crazy. Well, um, I know that we're doing, uh, we're, we're right about the end of the time. You got to go, you got to get going. Um, where can people find you on social media? Because you are capped out on Facebook. <laughs> I am capped out on Facebook. Uh, you know, that's a new thing for me. So, <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, Instagram for sure. I'm, I, I definitely keep an eye on Instagram a lot more. Okay. Um, anybody can feel free to message me at any time. I, I try to respond to everybody. Um, and then uh, we're actually about to, to start a Miller Brothers Racing page. I think we already have one, but we haven't used it in years. But uh, we're going to revive that. Okay. And uh, that way we can uh, connect with quite a few more people. Gotcha. All right. Well, cool. Uh, I'll tell everyone uh, you're Hunter Miller 90 on Instagram, right? 
That's it. Okay, yep. cool. And uh, be on the lookout for the Miller Brothers on Facebook. Um, well, Hunter, with that, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, obviously, congratulations with your success at King of the Hammers. Um, congratulations to, to you for your, I mean, it sounds like lifelong success. Uh, obviously, that doesn't come easy and that doesn't come for free. So hats off to you for putting in the work and being an awesome example of what happens when you guys work hard. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what you do this year and really looking forward to see what you do at next King of the Hammers. Uh, and if and I'm sure if not before the race, after the race, I'll be giving you another call for another interview. Man, I hope so. Hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to finish out this year. We're definitely focused on Hammers next year, but uh, I'm under no illusion that uh, it's going to be a walk in the park. That, you know, like I said, a lot of things came together uh, this year. And, and, you know, shout out to, to guys like Mitch Guthrie that's won that thing multiple times. I mean, that's uh, pretty incredible. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We'll, we'll see. You know, hopefully next year goes as well as this year, but um, it definitely won't be easy. All right. Well, stay on the line for me, uh, and we'll close out the podcast. Uh, Hunter Miller, thanks for being on the show, buddy. Thanks, sir. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. I do want to go over Super Grip ATV one more time, but before that, if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really helps us, and it really goes a long way. Uh, Supergrip ATV doesn't just offer the K9 tire, uh, they offer an amp tire, an amp, uh, I'm assuming that everyone is pretty familiar with the K9 by now, but I'm actually going to go over it. The Supergrip K9 is a rugged, all-terrain ATV UTV tire designed to get you through the most extreme terrains. The K9 features an 8-ply rated radial construction with great rubber compounds for your on-road and off-road adventures. One question I've been getting on Facebook a lot is how do they wear on the road? Guys, I'm not sure, and I'll find out if I can tell you what they were getting out of their R&D tires, but I mean, it was in the ballpark of, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of miles out of these tires, um, longer than any tires I've ever ran, for sure, on my any of my machines. Uh, if you're looking for the ultimate control, on-road or off-road, you need to not look further. The K9 tire is it. You know what's really cool is they actually offer a Kevlar uh, sidewall on there. Kevlar is obviously a synthetic fiber that's about five times stronger than steel. Kevlar is used in the tires in one of two ways. Um, as a replacement for the steel coils that form uh, the tire's edge, known as the beads. Um, but also, it actually goes into the... Uh, let me make sure I'm reading this here. Uh, da, 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 da. but it is a uh, internal fabric that internal fabric casing that forms the tire structure when the beads are made of Kevlar the tires are lighter and the tire can be folded up easily something that can't be done with a regular tire and it is super strong y'all super strong I've run Kevlar tires before and they're absolutely nuts how strong they are um, super good tire one inch tread depth eight ply rating comes in a 27 a 30 a 32 and the elusive 35. That tire is going to be awesome. Uh, the K9 will eventually be coming out in three different compounds. Spoiler, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but here it is. Uh, it's going to be coming out on a standard, uh, a soft and a softer. They're going to have uh, two different names for the soft tires, but that's essentially what we're getting at. I'll find out, I'll iron out the details there. Another tire that they offer, which I think is a big hit, is the uh, Shredder tire. It's an extreme mud tire designed for maximum traction in the mud in an amazingly smooth ride. The two-tiered tread pattern, shoulder treads, and massive tread lugs provide excellent traction and clean out in even the muddiest conditions. 
deep wrapping tread bars hook up on one side while dispersing the mud from the center channel. That's the shredder. The sizes that shredder comes in, whoa, it's a lot. They have a 25, uh, two versions of the, wow, a bunch of different versions of the 25 in different uh, widths, a 26, a 27, and a 28, all in different widths, and some with a liner option. Uh, guys, tons of different things. Supergrip also offers an entire line of wheels right now. Now they're non-beadlock wheels, they're alloy though. They do sell a 12-inch wheel and they sell a 14-inch wheel, which are super stylish. Um, one more tire worth mentioning is their amp tire. The amp is a non-directional tire pattern. I'm sorry, excuse me, tread pattern that makes it great on almost every type of terrain. It's kind of like a big horn, but not exactly the same. Sorry, super grip if I'm not supposed to say that, but uh, for your, you know, just so you guys have a mental picture, that's what the amp tire is. It comes in uh, the ATV sizes, a 24, 25, 26, 27, and a 29 for the 11, 12, and 14 inch size rims. Super cool, you can run a 27 and a 14 inch rim. Oh, big boys. And a variety of width there. But glad to have Supergrip on board. Supergrip is gonna do some awesome things in the future and I'm glad that they have hitched their wagon to Racing on the Rocks. Uh, another sponsor is Infinite Off-Road. Infinite Off-Road offers a 25-year you-break-it, they-fix-it warranty, even covering accidental damage on all of the following products. Light bars, light pods, wheel rings, whips, uh, rock lights, for example, super bright rock lights. And by the way, they're running a crazy special on uh, their 4-watt rock lights. I think that's what it is. Um, check that out this week. I'm not sure how long that's actually going to last. Uh, they offer all listeners of the show a 10% off coupon. Code word ROCKS, R-O-C-K-S, will get you what you need and get you out the door 10% cheaper. Another sponsor we have is We Buy Rides. We Buy Rides is a car dealership where you can go and confidently get the best offer for your vehicle. Um, highly recommend doing business with these guys. The customer service that I've had with them has been pretty much unmatched. Uh, there was a almost no questions negotiation between us. I knew that I was getting a really good deal. They, you know, it was no hassle. Uh, I'm confident that you guys will run into the same uh, encounter with them. They're awesome to deal with, great people, and they'll even uh, get the specific car that you're looking for, a 4x4 diesel and Highline vehicle specifically is their specialty. They move a ton of cars through the lot, and I'm super happy to be doing business with those guys. That's WeBuyRidesWithAZ.com and WeBuyRides on Facebook. Last but not least, All Things UTV is our final sponsor. Everything else that the two companies, or three companies, uh, don't sell, All Things UTV picks up the slack. Uh, All Things UTV will become a Supergrip ATV dealer, um, so you can expect to get the K9 and other tire options through All Things UTV. But not only that, but they have awesome tender spring upgrade kits. They have performance clutching axles, uh, wheels, tires, everything you can think of. They've got it. All Things UTV really uh, is your one-stop shop. And like I said, with my experience with them, almost overnight shipping. I mean, I, I don't know what overnight shipping exactly entails, but ordered it Thursday, showed up at my house on Friday, uh, and just got the last of the batch that came directly from System 3. I had tracking numbers, the whole nine yards. Everything was awesome. So All Things UTV on Facebook and Instagram and allthingsutv.com. All right, everybody, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you review the post, uh, review the podcast. Give us some love, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thanks.